Welcome to this, our first episode of P-Podcast, where we discuss all things educational for you, the parents. A little later, we're going to talk about what it was like for schools and for families during the first lockdown. We'll be speaking to a former assistant head of a very large inner city primary school and how things were for her school and what all the things that they had to put into place. We'll be offering some advice for parents if we go to another lockdown or even if we don't. How can you support your children through this? Hi and welcome uh, to Peapod. I'm Jo. I'm Catherine. And um, we're here to advise and support parents on all aspects of education. Quick introductions from us then. So I'm Jo. I am a former head of a boarding school, was the head for eight years, and prior to that, deputy head and a head of house. My, my subject is chemistry, and I teach science uh, in, up to GCSE, so I'm a senior school specialist. And I'm Catherine, and I have been a deputy head, a pastoral deputy head, um, actually at a boarding school. But equally, I've been a head of house and a head of subject as well at huge comprehensive schools. So one of 2000 students, others of sort of 1200. So a real range. Like Joe, I have three daughters. And between us, um, or between my daughters and I, we have touched on most schools. So I've had, my girls have been at little village schools, big comprehensive, independent schools, grammar schools, we're, we're pretty much done it. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, with Joe's daughters as well, we, we, we really do know, we know our children and we've experienced schools from inside as teachers, as senior leaders, and also as parents. Absolutely. And um, sadly, or, or happily, whatever you want to take it, uh, between Catherine and I, we've got over 40 years um, of professional experience. Uh, and obviously um, the uh, personal experience of, of raising our own daughters. And one last little sort of bit of information before we carry on. Uh, my three daughters uh, span uh, the primary school uh, through to the early secondary, through to the kind of coming out at the end uh, of secondary school. Uh, and Catherine's? Mine are a little bit older. So my youngest is now in her second year of university. Um, my middle is doing a master's abroad and my eldest is out the other end, um, although she's she's recently finished a master's too. So mine are that little bit further on, but yeah, we've been through it. And we continue to go through it together. And that's what we'd like to share with you on our Peapod, our journey and understanding as parents, but also on the other side of the coin as uh, professionals. So any questions that you have, that you're worried about, if we don't know the answers, we've certainly got a massive network of colleagues waiting and raring to, uh, to support uh, to what is going forward. Yeah, I think that's one of the difficulties that so many students in senior schools struggled with was that lack of structure. Um, you know, I know probably not in your daughter's case, but in some, you know, a lot of teenagers, they found it increasingly difficult to get up, to do things. Um, you know, I heard of some parents have contacted us to say, you know, help, it's midday, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and our kids are still in bed. And, you know, they didn't want to have that same argument day after day after day because it was ruining family relationships. 
And I think it was so difficult last time to keep that sense of continuity and that structure going. And actually, when <laughs> September time, both parents and kids and teachers, to be honest, were just delighted to be back in the classroom. Certainly the teacher friends that I have, and I'm sure it echoes with yours as well, they just want to keep educating the kids in front of them. What they don't want to do is to go back to the situation where they didn't have the kids in front of them. I have a year eight daughter, and uh, in the last lockdown when she was in year seven, she, she worked incredibly hard. Everything was delivered to her online, but it was, it was constant 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 and I, I'm not I'm not being um, critical of the school because they were brilliant but it did make me realize um, that actually that was just too much for her and it, it could not have been uh, it, it couldn't be done any differently unless unless they kind of set things slightly differently but she was she was one of the lucky ones mm. we have friends whose kids were, were able to do nothing for yeah. from March until September and the catch-up thankfully they're in year seven or year eight so there is an opportunity for catch-up but again something that does does worry me this kind of growing divide uh, yeah. that, that you know the government really need to try and put you know, measures in place yeah. to support families and their students so if, no, if, 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 if your whole family has, is isolating because somebody has had to protest or yeah. um has been told to isolate by the um, track and trace app, then that kind of makes it very simple, doesn't it? And the school should be in touch with you. To, well, you need to be in touch with them to say that you're isolating, obviously. And at that point, you should then have some kind of um, contact with either the head of year or the class teacher, if they're in a primary setting, to see what they can do for the next 10 to 14 days. Because there yeah. was talk as well, wasn't there, for isolating for 10 days? Yes. But I think that's a really good point that if you are isolating, don't just sit and wait for the things to come. Yes. Be proactive. Contact your school. If your teenager is being a right and refusing to get up, contact the school. Yeah, they'll help. Get there to help. The other school where I'm a governor is a senior school and they were brilliant. You know, they would have parents going, oh, I just can't get them up. And they're like, right, get take the phone to him <laughs> and they, were, they were merciless it's like get out of bed now here is your work um so you know but involve the school it doesn't mean you're a you're a poor parent if no. you are struggling in fact it's better to pass that argument to the school so that you're actually in a more supportive role rather than banging heads and to be perfectly honest actually if i was in that situation i wouldn't have time to be judging what the parents are doing yeah. i'm more interested in making sure that the children are getting the education in a different yeah. setting so um i know that's a great great point actually don't be frightened to seek help from uh, from the school yeah totally that's what they're there for Now I'm pleased to welcome Jane Griffin, a former assistant head of a large inner city primary school. So welcome, Jane. Um, perhaps you could start by describing what your school was like. So it was a big inner city yeah. primary school, um, 300 plus pupils, age range from nursery through to the end of year six. Um, so covering children who, uh, from, from the start of lockdown, those who we were looking after key workers and vulnerable children, um, from all age groups to when they opened again at the beginning of June, just those age groups that the government said 
uh, had to be in school were in school and and we took everybody that had to be you know that was that option um, what percentage of your school population was it um or all not, not even 25 percent in the end we, we were getting up to about 100 um 100 children by the end but it, it very much fluctuated and it took a while to build so there was still only about a quarter of parents making that choice to send their child back to school many chose not to if i can kind of like kind of rewind the clock a little bit we're we're back in february last year and things are chugging along in our schools as normal and then all of a sudden we kind of hear that that, that the nation is going into lockdown um uh, but those families of key workers or vulnerable families would be able to continue sending their children to school what preparations what did that mean for staff because really what what we would really like to try and get over here is to explain to parents who aren't in education exactly what that means for our colleagues the teachers in schools what kind of preparation do you need to happen beforehand in order to make things safe do you understand you know yep. it's massive it was massive <laughs> it was massive um preparations once the idea out there in the media was that schools might be closed and lockdown would happen um certainly within our uh, trust people were on behind the scenes putting things into place already so many of the things that needed to be done had already been considered and then you were waiting constantly for the government's input schools had to make sure that they uh, all the risk assessments were in place that for so that the safety for the children and the parents and the staff was absolutely forefront of everybody's mind because you know there were risks there and even before lockdown happened things that had to be put into place as far as washing hands and gel and distancing anyway um, it had just become part of what we were doing on the lead up to lockdown once lockdown was announced then it became really quite serious in terms of the sheer logistics of it. The government were quite slow at giving information and often it would be dropped sort of like late at night or mm -hmm. over the weekend. And there was an awful lot of reading for those senior leaders who were involved in, in making sure that was put into place and actioned ready for the next day. And amongst teaching staff, there was a lot of uncertainty and worry um, and amongst teaching assistants too, because always teachers have the heart uh, you wouldn't do go into a teaching job in whatever way shape or form if you didn't absolutely love children and want to do your best for them and have them in your heart and that's yeah. why you do the job however well said yes <laughs> you wouldn't you just yeah. wouldn't it's, it's that kind of job yeah. however what came along with this is people were very conscious they wanted to do the best possible for the children but it was weighing up at what cost to themselves Many members of staff were coming from vulnerable health issues themselves and from members of their family as well. So for them, there was a lot of uh, emotional angst going on about wanting to do the right thing for the job, but also wanting to do the right thing for themselves and their family. And it took some members of staff longer to come to terms with that. And almost um, they had a, an avenue which to express those concerns and then procedures and protocols were put into place so people who were shielding could work from home and support online rather than be actually on their face-to-face contact with the children still in school. Um, once lockdown was announced, uh, letters were sent out to parents explaining to them what was going to be happening and who was going to be entitled to that support for vulnerable 
children and key worker. The vulnerable ones were done by phone calls because you don't, you don't, they don't necessarily know they're vulnerable and you've got to really sell that in a very positive, very sensitive way um, because, you know, how that was presented to parents was, was very different. Whereas those who were key workers, they were asked to bring in um, paperwork and some form of way of, con of confirming that actually they were entitled to that care um, for their children. And did you some... have to turn anyone, anyone away? That... Yes, we did. Yeah, yes. how, how was that? Had, it, was, it was really difficult because if they, they thought they were key workers or it, it, it didn't necessarily fill the criteria. I even got messaged at home. Somebody stalked me on Facebook and found my number and sent me a message over the weekend because she was so concerned to get her children in um into some to, to some key worker care and at that point it didn't look like they were entitled so I had to go back to the head and what anyway a few weeks later we were able to bring them in but yeah people were really really quite concerned um and they were saying but I can't send them to my family my parents are elderly my childminder isn't working and and it, you felt terrible but unless they hit the criteria we really couldn't take them and did you did you have government criteria that kind of yes. made it very clear for you as to what? Yes, yeah, very yeah, yeah. The jobs that were involved and and who was allowed to, you know, and, and whether it was one parent within the family or it was two parents within the family. Um, and also it changed such a lot because once the shops started to open again, what was deemed key workers and and so it, it was never static. Um, and throughout the time, key worker parents were approaching us almost on a weekly basis and their child was being added into a bubble at, at that point mm, very very difficult right, right through till almost the week before we broke up in July we were still getting people coming along but um the kids were able to go back weren't they um in some f looser form or other weren't they towards the end of term um in, from the beginning of June nursery reception year one and your six children were allowed to go back into school. All of those who wanted to could actually return to school. And did you uh, find a, a big take up there or? Um, we were worried at the beginning because we wanted to keep the bubble sizes. The government was saying no more than 15, but okay. certainly we tried to keep ours within under 10 where possible to as much help the staff as mm. um, the children as well. And one of the benefits from having worked in these bubbles is some of the children from being in those small groups, the progress they made from being with us during that period was phenomenal. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. oh that's interesting. It was, it was phenomenal, particularly some of the ones who had been with us, say, all the way as key worker children, they've been the way all, all the way through. I saw some remarkable differences in some of those, those children, confidence, language relationships how absolutely wonderful that's so heartening that is because i remember reading um about some secondary school children so you're obviously at a primary school but these secondary school children who at first were furious that they had to go into school <laughs> but they absolutely loved it i saw some great interviews with them because it was smaller it was less frenetic they felt they had the space to be themselves they weren't worried about other children being unpleasant they had the the classes were small enough that they were getting the attention that they wouldn't normally get and they were dreading going back in September so yeah. I thought that was you know that's borne up in, in and what was, schools as well. Certainly and what was lovely for the staff because they had their little bubble when we've uh, prior to June um, 
the children who were the key workers and the vulnerable ones, they were meeting lots of different staff because it was being staffed on a rotor system because our, our place was so big that, that we had enough staff to be able to do that in smaller schools. People, it, it was that wouldn't have been the case. Um, but once we got to June and the bubbles were established, the relationships, again, that the teachers were having with those children who weren't necessarily in their normal year groups, who weren't necessarily children that they knew before, they, they, they really became a part of, of, of a little family. And by the end of term, there were some quite strong emotions at saying goodbye to them and, and knowing that they had been together for this very intense, very emotional yeah. period of time. Um, and people were quite protective of them and, and, and staff as in and, and, and yeah. really yeah. them to their hearts and were really oh, worried about it. So positives came out of it, yeah. but, but at no point was it easy. It, and it, it wasn't easy. <laughs> and I mean, logistically, um, even sort of, I know that my, my um, youngest daughter went back. She was lucky enough to get back in year five. And um, they'd, they'd cordoned off part of the, the playing area so that only her bubble could play in this area on the school field. Mm. Um, silly things that, I mean, as a secondary school teacher, I would never have considered routes into school. Um, yeah. uh, and actually some of the, 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 the fear that she had, I remember talking to Catherine about this, going in, having had yeah. such a long period of time off, the school were incredible. They took little videos. This is what your classroom is going to look like. Oh, panning around to the teacher. There's your teacher in their little area to try and kind of um, dispel any fear prior to them going in. And they did the same for them going back in year six. Did you manage to hear of any other kind of ways in which our amazing colleagues in primary schools allayed the fear of the kids going back in because it was such a long period of time. Certainly videos again were used, um, Zoom calls. Um, we, they did um, little mini sort of like goodbye to your old class, hello to your new class um, meetings and things. Uh, again, at the very beginning, Zoom was, was so new, wasn't it? And all of yeah. it, <laughs> and, and, and there was a little bit of reluctance getting the children involved and, and it was staff we were phoning up and trying to speak to the children and the parents and even class teachers were asked to do that too um and and but but eventually it became just normal to say okay we'll arrange these meetings and so the children have got that that look at, at the member of staff as well so we, we set those out again limited varying degrees of take up on that um we also had children who were very anxious and they might they were invited either to have a phone call and the member of staff whose bubble they were going to go into would call them and, and speak to them a couple of instances they came and were socially distanced and staff outside kind of just talked to them and said well you're going to go in here um and a, a couple of times children the anxiety was too great and they didn't come but i think possibly some of that was also down to siblings not able to come because they weren't in the right year group, so they were at home, and there was an element of I don't want to miss out on what's going out at home. Yeah. Um, but we did have some children who were there virtually every single day, from you know either from when they could come in March or when they could come in June, and just just shone through it. And then there were those who dipped in and out according to their parents' working rota for that week, and um, some who who joined later because they would realize they were missing school because all the time this was happening mm. there was a lot of online learning going on as well you know that the, the staff were doing um 
work online which the children could access they were having uh, various ways again through the internet were coming to play where the uh, portals that you could have direct um communication with the children once they'd uploaded their work i think it was it was a time of huge creativity and um from the start part point of the teachers having creativity but also for a lot of companies mm -hmm. out there being quite creative and for marketing ways get you know saying you we have this answer to the problem that you've got at the moment this is a way you could communicate with your children and talk to them about their work and um, so there were some people children who were accessing that at home but then there have equally been some children who from the beginning well middle of march through to when they went back in september would have done almost nothing at home because it depends on the level of parental support that you have mm, and i suppose access to um uh, the internet yes, um, or, uh, uh, exactly do you um do you see this lockdown um at the moment thankfully the children uh, are at school um moving forward who knows what this lockdown or the future may hold for them do you do you see any kind of um, changes in the way in which primary schools might um, approach this or do you think that that the lessons that were learned then we just transfer now to, to really, I, I'm, primary schools are really difficult and, and everyone certainly um, a lot of parents that I spoke to during the time were kind of like eh, we can't do our work at home because and we're, we're, we're kind of being a primary school teacher and we're and we're trying to you know home educate and we're trying to run a, a home and we're working from home we're not in that position at the moment but i have a really strong feeling that you know there's only so much online learning a year one kid could do because exactly. it's not healthy no. um but um we're talking about blended learning in senior schools is there any um place for that in a primary school setting uh i think it's, it's just logistics primary schools you're relying on you know most of the primary school children parents are taking them to and from school um and so that they're they're more around anyway because they've, they've either got to get childcare or they're still at home with with the children so the pressures are slightly different and so as much of that is about um managing the parental um, anxiety around it we had children who haven't got um they perhaps had w one mobile phone between three or four children and parents then were getting in touch and we could send paper um, activities out to them but one thing that we very much stressed is use lockdown to teach your children in ways that perhaps aren't quite so school-based academic you know all those social yeah. skills um cooking playing board games talking reading and it's not not and we set like little challenges and physical challenges so it and certainly the younger they were you you can't just sit them down in a piece of paper and expect them to get on with it so st staff were very creative about that and we kept saying to parents you know it isn't just about learning to read write and do their maths because we can put that right when we get back to school but it's about doing a little bit and practicing those skills and just keeping them interested and motivated and their mental well-being and their emotional well-being yeah. is more important at that time and uh, the rest of it will come but it's a very it's very difficult because I, I, we also had a lot of um, parents whose English is an additional language mm -hmm. for them 
So they weren't necessarily able to access and read the instructions and support in that way too. So some of the children and some of the families really had a, a huge challenge worrying about the education of their children going forward in that situation because they, they hadn't got the ability or didn't feel they had the ability to support them in that way um, because they don't know how to write English themselves or they can't read English themselves. Um, and you just have to be as reassuring and supportive as you can. No, absolutely. I mean, what advice would you give parents this time? At the moment, the children are still in school, uh, but there's a lot of anxiety around this. And some of those children may be forced to be at home because they have to isolate or schools have to close. What, what would be your sort of top advice for parents? Um, look at your child and know that they are unique and resilient to a point that resilience can't be taken for granted and you have to help build that but they will get through this the world is a crazy place at the moment um, and part of your job as a parent is to make sure that they are feeling good about themselves in that situation and know how to get the support that they need whether that is still in school or whether that is at home that they will get through this now Equally, then, if you're a parent and you're struggling yourself, it's making sure that you know that you can talk. So I think whether my number one advice going forward, whether it ends up being in school, that the children are able to still carry on or whether that goes into lockdown and they have to stay at home is talk to people, talk to your family, talk to each other, talk to. There's always will be somebody at your school if you need help. There are people out there who can help you. Don't feel that this is impossible because it is difficult but it's not impossible and things will be put in place to support that where would they go where would a parent go who needs to talk in a primary school they could every primary school they could phone up and actually speak to um, the head the assistant head if they're lucky enough to have a family support worker the family support worker or a liaison there's usually someone within in a school who is able to do that so phone up and say I, you know i'd really like some support class teachers are happy to phone and speak to people if necessary there will be people in school health health work uh, medical people outside um you know you, you the um health I can't think what they're called health, health workers visitors. health visitors that's the word that health visitors are out there yeah. um and and people and, and there are charities your neighbors um just yeah. keep those lines of communication open there's lots yeah. of people that you can talk to and if you've got anxiety talk to people because there's bound to be somebody out there who's who's got that level of anxiety or some experience to help you yeah don't be afraid of asking for help because no. it's not, not a sign of weakness it's actually it's a really positive thing to do is to actually ask for help. I think that's what Catherine and I were trying to um, emphasize um, uh, when we were talking earlier on. Um, schools are there to support the carers of the students uh, as well as uh, the students themselves. And if the school doesn't know that someone in the, in the home environment is struggling, they can't, they can't put measures in place okay. to support. Uh, and, and so talking is, and communication is, is paramount. So thanks so much for listening. We really enjoyed having your company today. And if, again, there are any questions that you would like us to answer or to, uh, to review, then please contact us at info at ppodcast.co.uk. And until next time, thanks very much. Hi.